That's when I realized the whole struggle that you have as a woman. Basically, I didn't get the raise because I was not head of her family. Those were the words that he used. So I basically told him, okay, no worries. You'll have my resignation later at the end of the day. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? I am so excited for today's guest, Patricia Burrell. Welcome. She is going to light us up today with her background and insights into building a truly dream life, dream career, and tell us all about her background and story. So welcome to the show, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. I love it. Yeah. And what's really, really fun about this is that we have friends in common in real life. Uh, Melinda Torreson, who recommended you for the show and who was also a prior guest. And then one of my other friends, Jason Lee, just to name a few. So it's great to be able to talk to you and know that we have so much connectivity and have heard so much about your story and everything that you have to share after hearing you at the Women's Alliance sharing your story. So we're really excited to hear it and talk about it. Um, So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Crystal. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I love working with Melissa. Uh, Melinda, she's one of our customers, actually, has been with us for a while. Uh, Jason, I was actually part of his um, podcast in the past as well. So at the end, I always realized how small the world is. We all get to know each other. It's a small circle. That's what I love about his Yeah. Yes. Being one of the biggest cities in the entire country, Yet somehow when you move around, when you're working together, everybody gets connected. And that's why I always tell people when you're driving through, um, you know, the terrible traffic and the angry drivers in Houston or a parking garage, don't, you know, flip anybody off. Don't look angry because it may end up being somebody that you're going to a meeting with. <laughs> that is very true. Never know. <laughs> you never know. It's really a smaller world than you think. So I really want to dive in and hear about your background. Like you have this amazing story about coming to the U.S. Um, So share a little bit about that background before we talk about business and all that entails. Yes, of course. I mean, my background, if you've heard my story in the past, right, like you did at the keynotes as the keynote speaker for the Economic Alliance, I had a rough childhood. There's no easy way to put it, right? I lost my mom when I was 12. My dad left the family. But on top of that, I was living in Bolivia. So I grew up there, which was considered a third world country, right? And then moving to the States when I was 23 years old, after finishing college and university back home, moving here where I had no connections, I didn't know anybody. I had to build everything from from scratch, literally and figuratively. And that's why I'm so thankful and grateful to the Houston community because everybody helps each other. 
And once you know someone, if you if you really are someone that's looking to have good intentions and work hard, they will connect you to people. And that's how we were able to build our network and also build our business, right? And so, you know, what was that? What, you know, how was it, you know, just trying to make it through and giving the inspiration and the work ethic and all, you know, I always say that there's a positive and a negative to everything. You know, it's like a positive and a negative charge, a battery, electrical, um, you know, with a magnet, you have one that pushes away and one that pulls together. So you have all of these things that you carry with you, but on the other flip side, they created a lot of an amazing qualities. So tell me a little bit about the mindset that it took to get through those, to get through the personal, um, you know, hardships that you faced growing up and what kind of mindset that created for you to really launch into this successful career that you have? Oh, well, that's a great question, Krista. Um, I think my mindset came from when I was a kid, from my mom. Um, She always said, work, like find out what it is that you really like, what you really love to do. And money and success, all of that will come as a result of you doing your path, following your dreams, choosing your passion. So I always had that present in my mind. And when she passed away, you know, I was very young. I was 12 years old. So I didn't necessarily have a choice, right? So a lot of people ask me, how did you get into being an entrepreneur? I kind of fell on it face first, right? Um, I was someone that had to take care of my mom's business at that young age, right? So I learned how to run a business. I learned the struggles, the ups and downs. So when I chose my career, I chose marketing because I realized that a business without marketing, without constantly generating new leads coming in, without constantly increasing their customer base, it's a business that's dying. It's kind of like if you're not growing, you're dying. I don't know if you heard that saying before, but that's basically what I learned from that experience. And I chose marketing because of that. And then I started another business back in Bolivia, which is still running. Then I moved here to the state and starting Border Agency was not something that, that came lightly. It's something that I knew I was focused and it was my passion. I knew I was going to do it eventually. So when I moved here, at first I wanted to study the market, get to know a little bit about it. And honestly, it got to the point where the job where I was working uh, didn't work for me anymore. I didn't feel, I feel like you, you get to a point where you're not um, employable anymore, <laughs> right? So you have to go and venture yourself. And, and that's what happened to me. I went to my siblings. I was like, hey, I want to start this business. Who's up for it? And thankfully, my sister was the one that said yes 12 years ago. And here we are. I mean, it's been 12 years of great learnings because Houston is a very interesting market. And it's, it's a, it really is a market full of opportunities if you know where to look for them, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, we talk to people from all over. So it's really interesting to hear how the dynamics shift depending on where exactly you're located and what your industry is. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that's what's really difficult 
for me, having not moved out of Houston is because the opportunities are just so great here and everything is available. Um, so when you talk about that, I want to pause and say, you know, you, you kind of became unemployable. So that is something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, may not use that word, but that's something that they all think about and struggle with as employees. So explain to me what that really means. Let's dive into that a little bit and and say what it was. What were you feeling? What were, you know, the issues that you were having in your work or, um, you know, motivations that kind of made you think about yourself as unemployable? So I feel that at my job, I always work as if I was the owner. So I brought a new idea, new concepts, and I actually implemented new processes. Uh, even when I started here as an assistant, I changed the whole like process for, for the way we vetted vendors and the buying system and all that stuff. So I always brought something new because I always thought a business as if I'm the owner, this is what I'll be doing, you know, or I would like the person that's sitting on this position to be doing. So it was not so much about not being able to perform, right? If anything, I outperformed, I feel like. Uh, but it was more about um, the constraints of knowing that, you know, I have this schedule that I need to follow and I can finish my work much, much faster, which I typically did. And, and my imagination kept flying off and I had the bureaucracy that I need to follow, not being able to really execute all the ideas that I had in my mind. So it was more about feeling that constraint of, I want to do this, I want to create this event, we should do this, we should do that, and I will bring these ideas and I will get a lot of pushback because uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy that happens when you work in corporate America, right? So that's why I decided to just jump ship and start my own thing because in my line of business, but, you know, in marketing as a marketing agency, now I'm getting paid for my ideas, which is amazing. <laughs> I can like have a better job than that. <laughs> yes. And so obviously, and I, I definitely want to highlight that in no sense of the word or uh, the meaning there, would anybody interpret that, you know, you were not being more than an optimal employee, but it's these thoughts and these feelings and the similar things that I experienced working in corporate America. And it's, it's really interesting to think about some of the I'll call them buzzwords that you reference. So when people are thinking uh, about why am I feeling uncomfortable? Why is this not bringing me the joy and the happiness that I think? And should I consider some form of entrepreneurship? Those are the kind of words and the feelings that there's a lot of bureaucracy. We are not able to see our idea to fruition as quickly as we would like to that you're not free. You have constraints that are wearing you down and that you are treating things already, your work, your processes, everything else, as if you were an owner. What can we do to make these major improvements? You may be doing those as an ordinary employee of a company anyway, but when you couple those together and move those into the arena that I'm feeling like stuck or frustrated and that the bureaucracy is not helping elevate me or bring things about in the way. And that is exactly what I felt when I really wanted to move out of corporate America and into my own business as well. So I think those are great 
things to pause on and think about because I'm sure that many other listeners are feeling something similar at times. Um, And those may be clues for you to start listening in, thinking about what is in the bigger picture for me. But I also wanted to ask, where did the idea... I mean, you kind of touched on it that you you know, knew that marketing was important and that lead generation was important. But when was it... What was the kind of timeline when you started thinking about the Burrell agency and when did it come to fruition? Like how long did that take you? How was the process? Did you take a while to steal your nerves and get the confidence and, you know, to rip off the Band-Aid and leave corporate America? Well, it actually came because uh, back in Bolivia, I started a business. My my mom's best friend was someone that was always in touch with us. And I remember seeing her leaving work at 5 a.m., sometimes coming back at 10 p.m. She was the head of operations for a factory, Levi's, the jeans. Um, and I was still going to school for marketing. So I basically approached her and I told her, hey, why don't we start a business? I'll handle marketing and admin and you can handle operations and we can do uniforms and branding products for companies here. So that's kind of how I started venturing myself into that world. And that company is still running uh, back home in Bolivia. And then when I moved here, the whole branding and promo products industry, it's already so organized here in the States. So when I researched about it and I found that out, I was like, oh my God, setting the same thing up here will be so much easier. So my idea started that way. While I was doing research, my then boss, when I was working at this company, didn't give me the raise that I was asking for. Uh, that's when I realized the whole struggle that you have as a woman, right? Because basically I didn't get the raise because I was that head of her family. Those were the words that he used. Uh, so I basically told him, okay, no worries. You'll have my resignation later at the end of the day. And that's, that was my decision. But because I was already doing research, I already knew how to build that mo- business model. So that's why I approached my siblings. I'm like, hey guys, I quit my job. This is what I want to do, who wants to join me. And then Brenda decided to join my sister. And right around that moment is when I got a job offer from Hewlett Packard to run digital campaigns all over the Americas. And I was like, it's a global company. One of my dreams to do, okay, I'll do it. So the first two years of my company, I was doing it on the side, kind of like how most entrepreneurs begin. And then after being exposed to running so many ads and, and campaigns and running all of these digital side with, with HP, I pivoted the company. Like I literally, when I quit the job, I was like, okay, we're pivoting. Like I love the branding side, but the digital side was so much more exciting and technology changes constantly. And that's what keeps my passion going for marketing, right? Now with AI, we are cheating a lot of things. A lot of new things are coming to Boral Agency. Uh, so we're excited about that. Yes. Wow. I mean, so there, there's so much there that, you know, I didn't know all of the details of your story going into this. I like to keep it a little bit um, new and interesting and exploratory so that I have all the, um, you know, questions are fresh and I'm super excited. So in talking about that, one, so you're still running the business in Bolivia. Yeah. 
But that business doesn't really, um, I don't do much on the business anymore. So now my, what I call my aunt, right? My mom's best friend, she runs the business in Bolivia. Okay. So I used to do it. I used to be very involved. I think I stopped maybe six years ago. So where I don't have to do anything anymore. Which is good. But when you started Boral Agency, you were overseeing your entity in Bolivia. You were working full-time at another corporate job and you started it as a third hat, so to speak. I was working like 14, 16 hours. So how did you have the energy? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How did you manage that? How did you have the energy? (laughs) I I don't think I'll do that ever again. Um, Yeah. I just love it. It's really something that you can't... uh, I think we all have it inside of us to follow our dreams. And when you're really that passionate, you don't see the hours, right? You just don't see them. Do you think that that is what has helped you keep going? Like if, if people can really lean into what they're passionate and about love, that it will motivate you to continue forward no matter the hardship, no matter the stress, no matter the times. Is that, do you think it was really the integral part? Yes, I, I do. I believe in that. Passion is really what drives you, right? Like, just think of yourself, like whenever you have to do something because you just have to check it off your list and it's not something you really enjoy, you're going to drag that thing until the last of your list and do it like with half of your energy. But when it's something that you really look forward to, you wake up earlier than usual just to do that. And it just gives you an excitement and a fulfillment that you don't otherwise have, which I think is what, really gives us a bigger satisfaction in life. You know, it's one thing to make good money and be happy with your job, but to really love what you're doing. I just think that it gives you such a deep sense of spiritual happiness um, that a lot of people leave on the table just to keep a maintain a, a paycheck, so to speak. Yes, I believe um, it. And that's what usually makes me really sad is, yeah. So what, when all of this was going on and you're building up the brand and you're building up the agency, what was the hardest part in the early years? I think the financial, the cash flow was the hardest part, honestly, um, because I started the business with literally my laptop being $300 to pay the LLC. So uh, going to events, getting that first contract, you know, leading old friends and connecting Jones, like it, it's really hard when you don't have the cash flow. Uh, you make the wrong decisions, and by that I mean choosing clients that are not the best for the cost for the company. Um, take too much of your energy, uh, bending backwards just to fulfill those you know contracts where they're not the right for your goals, right? So if you have a little bit of seed money, or if you are able to, um, you know, secure some investments for your business, that will make it easier for any other entrepreneurs out there. Choosing the right clients, because I think that's the hard, a really hard thing for people starting out in a business, whatever business they may be, right? It's like when you don't have money flow coming in, you just want to say yes to anything that's going to bring you money. So how did you figure out how to determine what were the right clients for you and say no graciously to the wrong clients? So... The wrong client is the one that's going to be yelling at you on the phone 
where you have to kind of like drop your phone and be like, okay, I'm going to cancel your contract. Bye. Those are the wrong clients. So after going through that experience, I learned how to, okay, what do I need to look for when I'm like prospecting or when I'm quoting someone that will drive me to a customer like that. So that was one thing, right? Customers that get a little bit that they think they own you just because they pay you for a service, right? And then another type is actually Harvey was uh, a pivotal time for us because when Harvey happened, we lost almost 60% of our clients, like 50% of our customers wiped out completely because they lost their business. So that's when we pivoted and we teach our business model and we realize, okay, we need to be very strict on the type of customers that we let in because we need customers that are going to allow us to grow and give back to the community. But if we are always struggling, we won't be able to accomplish our goals. So that's when we started saying no to customers. And if they didn't meet certain criteria or they didn't have specific budget, then we just couldn't work with them and we will give them other tools, right? Um, to help them with their marketing. Because one of the hardest things for us was that we like healthy business owners and we understand the micropreneurs because my mom was one, right? And when we were running that business, my mom's business, I became a micropreneur. So I needed the help. So it's, it was really hard for us to say no to those businesses. So now what we do is we get back and we actually... I put out videos, if you follow me like on LinkedIn and all that, I put out videos about marketing, trying to educate the community. And also we give out workshops that we partner with other organizations like the Houston Community College or Baker Ripley to give out workshops, uh, you know, for free. Yes, that's wonderful. And that is what else, you know, is such an important driving factor especially I think for women, like being able to give back and mother your community, right? That's like an instinctual thing. And when you have your own business, you can do all of these things that fill you up and make you so excited and using your experience, your knowledge, your passion to help other people. And I just love that you guys do that in so many, so many ways. So I have about two more questions that I want to get to, and then we can wrap up because I know you are such a busy woman running the company and running the world, basically. One, tell me about the biggest breakthrough you've had. I think I would say the ability of choosing not only who you want to work with, your customers, but also your team, right? Because you are really choosing your lifestyle, if you if you realize. So that was my biggest breakthrough, right? That by building my own business, I'm building it around my lifestyle that I want, not the other way around. Yep. And that is a key because if you can't do that, then it's, you're, you're really just an employee with more responsibilities and more financial headaches. So that... And a lot of business owners, yeah, are operators, yes. right? They end up being operators and they don't really realize that if you want to be a business owner, you have to sometimes step out of your business and really let it scale. And and you have to give power to your team. That's why choosing the right team members is extremely important. Like if you read our reviews on our website, like our clients talk highly, not only about like the owners of the company, right? Because that's typical. 
but about the employees as well, in specific key employees that we have in our company, which I'm extremely grateful to have found them. <laughs> yes, it's so important, especially in a small business world. I mean, it's just really key that you align yourself with the right people that are going to keep up your um, personal brand, the brand of your company and working with your clients in that way, which is, um, you know, so important for your business. Well, the last question is actually, I want to circle back to something you talked about a little bit earlier, because it's something that is near and dear to my heart and what I work on. And I heard you say, you asked, you went to ask your boss for a raise and the answer was no. And they kind of indicated to you that the reason was because you didn't need it because you were not the head of a family. I want to ask you a little bit more about what gave you the confidence and the courage to ask for the raise? What, you know, how much approximately, if you can share, you know, was it a 5% raise? Was it a 10% raise? Um, and how long after they said no, when you decided you were going to get another job? So, um, I, I learned about a co-working, co-worker who made more than twice than what I was making. Wow. And the, he was like in charge of the small accounts. I was in charge of the largest account in my department and I was bringing like 1 billion in revenue for the company. So it was a huge account. So when I decided to go ask for the race, right, it was around my evaluation time. So I asked, literally, I didn't ask for double because I thought, okay, that may be a little bit like too big of a jump, right? But I did ask for like a 50% increase, right? And when I got the answer, the my answer was immediate. Like the moment, because I was already researching about starting a company, I already knew I was going to be there temporarily. So for me, staying one more year or staying one more day was irrelevant. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of like, okay, the moment he said, he gave me that answer. I was like, in my head, automatically, I don't belong here, right? And I know now that I would have been smart if I would have been more knowledgeable back then, because I had, I was 26 years old when that happened. I would have like followed the, the proper path, go to HR, make a little big deal about it. But I just didn't even think about that because my... My vision was not to grow in that company. My vision was to stay in that company, learn more for like one more year or two. And that's it, right? Yes. So on that, you know, that's what the... Yes, all the time. And so the, the key to that is that you felt so empowered to make the change. You already had the confidence. You were already working on something else. You were already about to develop your own business and go for it. But in that, when you were talking to your previous supervisor, did he go back and talk to HR or the team? Or did he give you a no right there when you asked? No, he was right there. So there was nothing about it that made you feel supported or like any redeeming thing. Like I tried on your behalf and I went and fought for you. Nothing. I mean, he just answered. There was no own. thought at all. Like, um, I don't think by, by any means his answer was a representation of the company that I was working. That was more personal, I feel like. 
why do you do you think that it really was a gender issue? Do you think there was some other bias at play? Yeah, that was a job where you know I was I was young when I when I started there I was twenty three twenty four. It was literally the first job that I got, so there was a lot of uh, things that will make like comments that he will make to kind of like put me down, which I always like to do productive blaming. Right. Like he will make fun of my accent. Yes. <laughs> like um, he will kind of like ask me the same question over and over, making me feel very uh, kind of like worried about my accent, which in return, he pushed me to like he didn't physically push me. Right. Let me just. <laughs> no. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was yeah, yeah. thinking like, okay, I have an accent and, you know, people are having a hard time understanding me. I'm going to go with Joey Toastmasters because I did my research. Like, what can I do to improve my accent and blah, blah, blah. Because I had to give presentations in front of like store managers and talk in front of them about the marketing campaign that I was launching for the stores and all of that. So having my boss completely like constantly make fun of my accent was something that would put me back and make me really shy. But I didn't let that stop me. But instead I used that and I'm like, okay, he's highlighting this. How can I, how can I improve it? Right. So I joined Toastmasters and I became an international speaker and won awards and everything, <laughs> which proved him wrong, but gave me the confidence that I needed. Right. And it gave me skills that I didn't have because I learned how to be a speaker, how to speak very comfortably, like with accent or without in English or Spanish in front of a crowd, uh, regardless of the size, which is great because now I'm giving speeches in front of 300, 400 people, like with no problems. Yes. Well, and I love that. And I think the fact that you naturally take this story and this hardship and turn it into a positive and what you learn from it and what it pushed you to do, it, it just goes to show that you are a person for growth orientation, that you are seeking to make things better, that you are not going to accept what is put in front of you. And, you know, that is where my mission in life is, is to say, you know, your predisposition your natural personality is so similar to mine. And I would do the same thing, maybe get a little angry and say, I'm going to use this as ammunition, as fuel to push me forward. Um, you know, not every woman feels that way. And think about if another 25, 26 year old lady was out there and learned the same thing that their counterpart made not a little bit more than they did, but double. And they finally got the courage, but they were put down. And I just want to help women learn how to create some confidence. And even if you don't feel totally internally confident to do it anyway, to ask for it anyway, because if we don't ask, we don't get. And so the other thing I wanted to ask about that story, just to kind of bring it full circle is when you originally took the job and I remember what I was like when I was 22 and 23, did you, um, did you, negotiate your starting salary or did you accept the the first thing they put in front of you? I accepted whatever they were giving me. Because remember, on top of everything, I literally, I arrived to Houston. I went to some staffing agencies, headhunters with my resume, which is very, 
when you write a resume in in South America compared to how you write it here, I mean, just with that, there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, I, I literally got the job six weeks after I joined here. And I mean, six weeks after I moved to the, to the States. And I started as an assistant and within 10 months, they promoted me to handle, like to be a key account manager. Uh, so no, by no means, I didn't negotiate anything at all because I, I didn't know. I didn't even know you could do that, right? That was not even something I, I had knowledge like at all. No, and you and you are coming from, you know, uh, a completely different country, a different continent, moving here. But I will tell you that I think that many people, um, unless you just were taught, unless somebody took the time to tell you, most people, and especially women, are not thinking about that when you get the first job. You're thinking, I'm so excited. Somebody is offering me, even if you have two job offers, I don't think people are taking the time, you know, to to work through that unless somebody is telling you, mentoring you, teaching you and you know, propping you up so that you feel comfortable. And even on the way that like, it's so funny like even on the way you're going to dress up for a job interview, like those little things, everything you should uh be able to find a mentor. Uh and I think it's great that you decided to do that Crystal because there, there is a need. People need to hear that, and, and especially women, because we get shy about like asking those things, especially if during your childhood, talking about money was something taboo, right? Something that you were not supposed to talk about or something that you're not supposed to even mention, right? That's rude that you're talking about it. Uh, so if you grew up being like that on top of all of it, then it will be very difficult to feel comfortable having that conversation, right? So kudos to you on doing that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I mean, it is, um, you know, I just think it's so important. My my family is um, more working class background. My mom didn't go to college and, you know, kind of fought her way through kind of a corporate job as well and asking for what she was wanted, but I did not have somebody telling me these things. This is all things like you had to learn on my own experience on my own. And once you start feeling, you know, that validation, you're doing a good job, you're working on these key accounts. Then you, you really look around, you're like, wait a minute, what is my worth? What is my value? And you can see and start building that. So that has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Patricia, we are so excited to have you and have these conversations and talk about all the wonderful things that you've done in coming straight to America, getting your first job, building your business, leaning into all those things and creating this amazing company. So you guys, it's the Boral Agency. They work with all kinds of traditional companies in creating their marketing, their websites, and so much more. You can check them out. And Patricia Burrell on LinkedIn. We will link that to the show notes. And thanks again for sharing your time and all your insights. Remember, you are made for more. Your net worth can be defined in some ways by your self-worth. So make sure that you're getting clear, that you're getting confident, and that you are asking for what you deserve. Okay. Remember, 
to follow our newsletter, subscribe, like us on Instagram, follow us along, and we will be sharing actionable advice to make sure that you learn how to get clear on your career, own your worth, and create the life that you love and want to live and get excited about every day. Until next time, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.